Welcome to Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and high regulated industry. We're talking fintech, regtech, sextech, and more with thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to share insights, trade viewpoints, and get us all thinking about responsible innovation. And here is your host, Dara Tukowski. Welcome everyone to another episode of Tech on Reg. Today we're talking about the promise of synthetic data. Each year, the world generates exponentially more data than the previous year. According to the International Data Corporation, in 2020 alone, an estimated 59 zettabytes, yep, I said zettabytes, of data will be, quote, created, captured, copied, and consumed, enough to fill about a trillion 64 gig hard drives. But that doesn't mean we're actually able to use all of the data that we create. Companies, institutions are concerned with their users' privacy, and rightfully so. Thus, to be compliant with the myriad of privacy laws out there, terms of use, and other artfully crafted legal things, parties restrict access to these data sets, sometimes even within their own teams. Pile on the fact that COVID-19 has shut down offices, workspaces, labs, preventing people from visiting centralized data stores, sharing information safely has become even more difficult. So without access to data, how can we create anything that actually works? And how do we solve for the balance between industry's need for quality data and consumers' right to privacy? Oh, and let's not forget about the patchwork of legal regulations beyond what many believe are consumers' inherent rights to privacy. So today, we are speaking with Nikolai Balden, founder of Synthesize.io, a UK-based operation which describes itself as, quote, an all-in-one data ops platform, which automates all stages of data provisioning, data curation, powered by cutting-edge machine learning. Welcome to the show, Nikolai. Thanks so much, Dara. Super excited to be on the show. So before we get into data privacy and all of the problems and issues that it's riddled with, um, I'd love to know a little bit about your background, your story, and how you founded Synthesized. Sure. I'm CEO and founder at Synthesized and currently focus primarily on the three main things. So it's product market fit, uh, expansion of the business to new categories, to new um, geographies as well, and also making sure we have the best people on the team. My background is fairly technical. So I come from the fairly academic background. So spent over seven, actually eight years in academia, did my PhD at Cambridge in machine learning and statistics, uh, went to Stanford to work in the stats department there as well. I then used to work for a hedge fund from New York before I started the business with my co-founder, Dennis, who is probably even more technical than myself, but he comes more from the data infrastructure background. Uh, so he's built uh, some data planes and data uh, data warehouses, data lakes for a number of companies in the past. So he used to work for Deutsche Bank uh, and a number of fintechs and uh, challenger banks as well. The way how we started the company is that we, so we've been always passionate about machine learning, data science. And well, uh, I remember uh, writing code for, well, training uh, recurrent neural networks back in 2011 when well, using CPUs even before, you know, GPUs and uh, gradient descent became a thing. And only about four years ago, I realized that uh, even, well, there is a massive problem out there, such as essentially to facilitate machine learning, to facilitate data science, we need to have a proper data infrastructure in place. This is called, well, data ops platform. 
simply to as, and use it as a fundamental layer to empower those ML and data science applications. And this is how the idea for Synthesize came about. And um, we started developing uh, code and, well, essentially writing code and developing the different techniques to enable to provision high volumes of high quality data sets for machine learning and development purposes. And uh, been essentially only, uh, well, obviously raised funding in the, in the UK, grew the team. So right now we are growing quite rapidly. So we have about 20 people and growing. So looking to double the team by the, by the end of the year. And um, yeah, so we, I would say the, the speed with which the business has grown is a clear indication of how important the topics of data provisioning for machine learning and data science have, have become. And we are super excited to be contributing and leading this, uh, this uh, well, the developments in this, in this space right now. What problems is Synthesize.io trying to solve for specifically though? Because, you know, there's, uh, data scientists have been using sets of data for years. You know, there, there has been data that's been powering uh, machine learning algorithms for, for many, many years. So why are you guys different or better? So we solve the problem of sharing the true essence of data and unlike traditional approaches to data sharing such as data true governance. True essence of data. I want to know what you mean by the true essence of data. Exactly. So um, as you rightfully mentioned, so we have definitely seen massive explosion of data in the recent years. And according to different studies, 90% of entire structured data in the world has only been, well, created in the last two years. At the same time, the information which it conveys is, well, is different from the data, right? So, uh, and we can see the data as a container for the information which is out there. And we believe that the information, so we call the information which the data carries, the true essence of data, the true value of, uh, of it. And the growth of the data sets which are out there is not, unfortunately, is not the same as the growth of the information and insights which data carries. And there is a problem, which is how do we essentially first pinpoint the true value, the true essence of data? And, for, and secondly, so if, when, when we do that, so how do we actually share it? How do we provide infrastructure for it? Um, and according to different studies, essentially over 60% of structured data is currently underutilized, which is, which is the problem especially nowadays when we really want to innovate and provide best services to, to, to our society. And even if we solve it, so there is a problem of sharing it securely. And we've seen many companies fail do that even internally within the business. When data is shared, there is another problem, which is how do we make it available? How do we make it ready for development and best in purposes? And we've seen lots of studies around data preparation, data cleaning as a result of that. And this is also the pain, the pain I experienced myself when I used to work uh, for, for a hedge fund and uh, also in academia, which is data scientists, uh, ML engineers, test engineers, well, data users in general, end up spending most of the time on making sure data is ready for analysis instead of doing analysis. And I felt that that work, well, about four years ago, that work should definitely and can be automated so that basically data users can start innovating much, much faster and do that in a compliant, well, safe, and but also efficient manner. 
and we're super excited to well release the the software recently and super excited to be working with companies on deliver, delivering the best data infrastructure for empowering the ml models and and services so it sounds like it sounds like you guys are tackling this problem uh from from a few different aspects this is going to sound so crude coming from a non-academic, non-data scientist, a non-technical person like myself, but what you just described to me sounds like operations, right? What is the most efficient operational way to get data ready so that it can be efficiently utilized, right? It's, it's operations optimization, at, again, the crudest possible level. But the other part of it, and what I'd like to spend some time talking about is you talked about the true essence of data, the information that this data is trying to convey so that it can be efficiently used. How do we balance that with the, I think, concerns and friction of both regulators and I think consumer rights advocates and really all over the world with privacy, security, and then we'll get to bias in a minute, but bias is in there, but bias is in there as well. Absolutely. It's so, like seven questions in one. It was totally unfair of me, but I'm, but I'm going to ask, ask you to answer it anyway. <laughs> absolutely. So we believe that the privacy of personal data is a fundamental right, and it's at the core of our platform. So we believe that there is a way to essentially solve the problem of sharing some information for development testing purposes in a compliant manner, by means of, well, this, the technology we've created, which is the topic of our podcast, the so-called synthetic or synthesized data sets. And it answers, well, it solves the dilemma, which is at the, at the same time, well, we, we understand that companies need to provide, we would like them to provide better services to individuals, insurance companies, hospitals, banks, credit scoring solutions, different health solutions, insurance, we would like them to be optimized and delivered in the best possible way to the, to the society. At the same time, the society, well, people understand and would like the data to be protected. And right. we also need to understand that for companies to develop and test solutions, they need to have some data. Um, and this is the problem we solve, which is we enable companies to fuel their services, fuel their models with the right data sets, the so-called synthetic data sets. And, um, which is the core, well, unique uh, value proposition of our platform, uh, as I say, data operations platform in a compliant privacy preserving manner. So obviously industry has been hearing quite a bit about synthetic data. And I think that it's been of particular interest on the heels of so many studies being released about biased outcomes in the provisioning of data and you get biased outcomes because the data in the world is biased and you know outcomes are designed to reflect what's happening in the world. There have been, in preparation for today, I felt like I needed to do a lot of homework. So I was reading a lot uh, of what's been published about synthetic data, especially from a team uh, at MIT. And it's been described, at least by that team at MIT, as sort of diet soda, right? So that in order to be effective, um, like regular soda, diet soda has to resemble the real thing in certain ways. So a synthetic data set has to have the same mathematical and statistical properties as real world data sets that it's essentially standing in for. So it has to perform like real world data would perform, Um so I guess my question is, and again, 
forgive me for, you know, sort of my level, I, I don't want to say of ignorance, but of, of not being informed. And I think it'd be really interesting for my listeners to understand with synthetic data, it still needs to be based on real data, right? In order for it to behave like real data. Absolutely. Well, it's important to understand and define what synthetic data means because there is obviously a lot of confusion happening right now in the market. So synthetic data is a completely new set of data which never existed before, but it has the same taste, the same smell, and sometimes actually even better smell than original data. And unlike other techniques, well, solutions to the problem of data sharing, such as data anonymization, which essentially neutralizes the smell, neutralizes the taste of data, the synthetic, truly synthetic data really enables to expose the right value, the right properties of data for development and research purposes. At the same time, we need to think a lot about safety. So anonymization, for example, has been found to be unsafe and there are quite a few papers published about it. Also, synthetic data might not be safe in general. And it should be, well, that's what we spend quite a bit of time on to ensure that the solutions we provide are safe and uh, compliant with uh, data governance and data regulations. So talk to me a little bit more about the anonymization, right? Because I I see so many um, clients, companies that, you know, I've, I've, I've seen demos of and worked with um, saying, we're, we're safe. When we transmit data, we fully anonymize it. And as a result, we are protecting consumer data. And that's the end of the story. And it sounds like what you suggested, suggested is anonymization, maybe not in all cases, but in many cases, isn't safe. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Anonymization is in general unsafe. And there have indeed been a number of research published about it. One of the, I guess, well-known examples is the so-called Netflix challenge, when a massive anonymized data set was released to the, to the public to build this so-called, well, uh, recommendation system. And at some point, there was another paper published later, I think uh, a couple of years uh, later, that uh, competition showcasing that that anonymized data set can essentially be de-anonymized. And that was a massive, uh, massive issue, and uh, uh, there were quite a bit of papers published about, about that accident. Um, the way how it works is that, well, how anonymization works is that, as I mentioned, so it neutralizes the taste, neutralizes the smell of data. The way it does it is that essentially we stripped out different sensitive attributes from a data set. Say, if we are talking about, say, payments data, that can be, say, age, uh, it can be gender, it can be some IDs, etc. The problem is that even with those information deleted or obfuscated, well, destroyed, it's possible to link back the anonymized records with original records by combining those anonymized records with some publicly available information. And this is exactly what happened in the Netflix challenge, uh, whereby the data set was linked to, uh, well, a data set which was available on the uh, IMDb website to essentially de-anonymize the almost all individuals in that anonymized data set. And that is why the anonymization methods uh, in general are unsafe and companies should be really careful with in terms of how they use it. But also uh, anonymization has another problem, which is the problem with quality. 
especially for development and testing purposes, uh, you want to have the best quality to provide best services to the users. Say if it's insurance company, so best credit scores. If it's the well, if it's a health, well hospital, it's really the best well decisions health uh, re regarding the health of uh, individuals as well in terms of predicting some of the well potential issues. And we really want to ensure that the data which is available for testing and developing those solutions is of high quality. Unfortunately, anonymization doesn't do that because by definition, when stripping out those attributes from data sets, we destroy data, right? We destroy its quality. And that's why it's the- Would you say, I'm gonna be so proud of myself for using this phrase, would you say that that anonymization process sort of destroys the true essence of the data, the information that it's trying to convey? Do you see how quick I am at learning? Exactly. So it, sound, it sounds as though to me, as though, um, the uh, usefulness and safety of the process of anonymization has been debunked to, to, to a degree. Um, yet, ironically, it's still used, the process is still used as sort of a, an, an industry, I don't want to say um, best practices, but I would say it's still the prevalent rule as opposed to the use of a synthetic data set. So I think about anonymization now, thanks to your excellent explanation, as it's kind of like air freshener, right? Like the air is stinky, but I'm going to spray this stuff and it's going to smell good for a minute, but eventually it's going to be stinky again. Um, so on the flip side, we're going to talk, now we're going to talk about synthetic data, which was never real to begin with, right? So so let's, let's talk about that. Sure. So synthetic data, as you understand, as we understand this, well, completely new set of data which never existed before. And think about it as a container for the, as I say, true essence of data, of the value of data which is out there, uh, essentially the information, right? And it's just a better container for the information data carries. And original data, unfortunately, is a bad container and fit for its purpose. And anonymization, so simply, well, even destroys that uh, that that value hidden hidden in data. So, what synthetic data means, and well, in, in particular, the way how our engine operates, it understands how data should smell, it understands how data should look like, and essentially creates a completely new simulated set of data with the same smell, the same taste, and as opposed to neutralizing it, it actually amplifies it which is extremely important for development and testing purposes. So using our like diet soda analogy, I think I'm just going to start calling synthetic data like diet data. I think that's going to be my new phrase for it. Um, mine, you don't have to adapt it as your own, but I'm going to refer to it as diet data. So obviously if it's, if it's not based on real data, that obviously immediately addresses the privacy concerns, right? You don't have to worry about an individual's right to privacy because none of this data ever belonged to any individuals to begin with. Is it all about privacy or do you think it offers industry something more? I would rather say synthetic data is data on steroids. So that's more. That sounds like more. Um, and uh, indeed, it can be used for a variety of, uh, in variety of applications going far beyond uh, privacy, far beyond essentially just sharing data sets for collaboration. So one of the applications of the so-called truly synthetic data 
is really about amplifying the value hidden in data. And the way it does it, the way our platform does it is that we understand how different patterns in data should look like. And we essentially provide an interface for companies to query the right pattern they want, which is something which never existed before and definitely not available with the so-called anonymization techniques. So how it works is that think about it as a, say insurance company or financial services company. And you would like to say estimate, well, develop a fraud detection system. To develop a fraud detection system, you need to obviously, well, test it against a variety of fraudulent examples. Normally, as we know in payments data, so the number of the amount of fraud, actual fraud is, is very small. And sometimes it's insufficient to ensure that the systems are properly tested against them before being rolled out to production. The synthetic data, well. I mean, you can, it sounds like if it's on steroids, you can just increase the volume of that data to get it to a place where you have a sufficient amount to ensure the volume and quality of the test. Exactly. So we enable essentially create completely new records, completely new groups of data, which can be used for development and testing purposes in variety of applications, such as fraud detection, such as credit scoring, such as decisions uh, people make in hospitals as well, and really make sure that those decisions have the right performance, have the right quality and optimized for, for, the, for the value uh, they, they carry. So you mentioned something about... Uh based on, in order to properly utilize this, the synthetic data and build the synthetic data set, you need to know what it's supposed to look like and how it is supposed to behave. I think that might be a really good segue into the next topic that I wanted to touch on, which is bias. There, we know that artificial intelligence and the use of different machine learning algorithms have been subject to a lot of criticism over the years about biased outcomes and biased results. I think probably the most uh, talked about example was, you know, Goldman and it's Apple card. And we are talk, we talk about racial bias and we talk about gender bias. So if the data in the world right now, the way it currently behaves because there is bias in the world is that you oftentimes get biased results. Is synthetic data and the use of it an opportunity to address bias? Absolutely. So the way how our system behaves, it's able to create completely fair and balanced streams of data. And as a result of that, ensure that decisions made by systems which are trained and tested with, with the data are fair. Um, and you're right, well, you're right, we mentioned there is a massive issue with the uh, biases and discrimination happening nowadays out there. Um, and there is, there is a way to solve it. And by the way, anonymization, going back to the analogy with anonymization, it doesn't solve that, no. right? Because it only in a way changes and destroys original data, which is already biased. And you only, as a result of anonymization, get the same biased data, but poor quality. The way to solve it, and by the way, it's also by the way, very important to understand that there is a difference between algorithmic bias and bias and data. There are two parts of a large problem. Um, and one, one obviously impacts the other, but yes, there are two sort of separate and isolated problems that result yeah. in crappy results either way. Um, yes, and uh, well, as we, as we understand, 
machine learning uses data for as a fuel to essentially make sure that the systems behave as uh, as well we, we want them to behave. Um, and as, as a result, right, because data, if bias data is fed to ML to an ML system, machine learning system, the result of that machine learning system are also are going to be discriminatory. So we need to prevent that from happening. And the way to do it is to solve the problem at the core. And what we've seen essentially companies trying to do is to essentially solve the essentially symptoms, right? So they say, okay, my machine learning model, my credit scoring solution is unfair. Let me try to solve it. Whereas the actual problem is in the data because that data is not only fed to that credit scoring solution, it's also fed to many other, well, models, but also services within the business. And we need to ensure that we solve the problem at its core. And this is what we do at Synthesized by ensuring that the bias is eliminated from the data pipelines by creating simulated synthesized data streams to ensure that the decisions made using those data streams are fair and of high quality. So like, why isn't everyone using synthetic data now then? It's, uh, You're like, I can solve everyone's problem. Just, get, just give me a call, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, well, so, yeah, we are available to talk. And uh, so, yeah, so we are quite busy, but at the same time, really keen to, to work with uh, the best partners out there. And uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we believe that, as, as I mentioned, synthetic data, synthesized data is data on steroids, and every company should be able benefit, should benefit from it. Um, we actually see many, many companies essentially use it, uh, well, trying to develop it internally. The problem is that the companies- It's hard. So like the problem is, is that it's hard, right? And you need experts to be able to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, uh, well, it sounds, well, I mean, uh, um, it sounds, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, cheeky, but it is indeed really hard. And that's why we've spent over four years of uh, risky research doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, don't expect, any, I mean, as a product owner that's synthesized, I don't expect a product owner, say an insurance company or a bank, undertake a project of many years with lots of risks involved, right? Because you have lots of priorities, you, let, you have lots of teams you need to run, you have lots of different other projects. And as a result of that, actually one of our partners we have, they had tried to do synthetic data themselves, but they got back to us after spending over six months on the project then they decided to work with us for uh, obviously a more affordable, uh, in a more affordable way, as opposed to wasting resources internally. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so there is obviously benefits are enormous, but at the same time, there is a massive risk. As I mentioned, risk of sure. safety, risk of scalability, risk of ensuring quality. So all of that is, yeah, I don't expect a, well, a reasonable organization develop it internally, but uh, at the same time, try to rather use actually an external, an external solution. So have you had an opportunity to interact with any regulators on this topic to sort of present um, your, your solution, your proposition? We have actually done a great project with the Financial Conduct Authority in terms of empowering the digital sandbox with synthesized data sets. And that work had, well, had, was also validated by one of the largest institutions in the UK, the so-called, uh, well, from research, uh, by researchers from the Alan Turing Institute. And what we have them do is that we essentially created over 5 million of transactional data uh, records, uh, transactional records with over 700 columns associated with, uh, with those records. Um, and we essentially enable that data sets for 
uh, well, to be used in the digital sandbox for collaboration purposes. Um, and the impact was that essentially helping them assess and validate vendors uh, and partners using that synthetic synthesized data set. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, and the ability to interact with the regulators, I think gives industry a lot of comfort level. I think part of, you know, in financial services and, and really in any regulated industry, the worry is always, are the regulators going to be okay with this, with this technique, with this solution, with this new vendor uh, that I'm using? So, you know, hats off to you for, you know, working with the FCA um, to sort of provide your target customers that comfort level about what you're, about what you're doing, um, because that's always the fear, right? Absolutely. I think it's important to partner with the, uh, well, with some of the strongest companies out there, especially with regulators, and ensure that, well, companies also start, in a way, self-regulate themselves. Um, because unfortunately, as we've seen, sometimes companies forget about the fact that sensitive data simply cannot be shared, right? And because of associated issues with, obviously, privacy and also, well, data, data governance. And we really need to ensure to, that companies, you know, are incentivized to, self, to self-regulate. And I think we do have those incentives because nowadays, essentially in the current environment, um, well, we, there is no way people are going to say, hey, we don't care about algorithms being fair. We don't care about data being unbiased. So it's definitely, it's definitely an emergent, fast, fast-grown area. And we expect actually regulators to start looking into this uh, very, very soon in terms of making sure that the decisions are fair, making, making sure the way how companies use data is ethical and responsible. Well, I think all of that information uh, was really great. I learned a lot uh, from you, Nikolai, so I appreciate that. Hopefully regulators in the U.S. can get on board with, with the FCA because this really does sound like an opportunity um, to create good product for industry while simultaneously addressing so many consumer and regulatory concerns um, on, a multitude, on a multitude of fronts and a multitude of pain points in the use of large data sets right now, privacy, bias, security. Um, I don't know, sounds a little bit like a silver bullet. So, um, so that's so that's exciting. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. So Nikolai, tell all of my listeners if they want to learn more about what you are doing, where do they go? Sure, please connect to me on LinkedIn and also Twitter. And yeah, I would be really happy to discuss, discuss with them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Tech on Reg. We will see you next time. Thanks, Dara. Super excited to be here. Mm-hmm.